American, huh? Guilty. Well, Americans usually are. Says the white South African. I'm from Rhodesia. We say Zimbabwe now, don't we? Do we? <laughs> All right, guys, here we go. Next seminar up April 12th through the 14th, then June 7th through the 9th. Self-sufficient lifter camps on the list March 16th in Wichita Falls and May 18th in Omaha, Nebraska at Testify Strength and Conditioning. Both these camps will cover the squat, the press, the deadlift, how to film yourself, and then how to diagnose your own shitty technique. Lift Shoot Fight is back on the menu, as I've said, May 18th and 19th. This is a weekend in beautiful Wichita Falls where you come and learn all five lifts from Rip and Nick, squat, press, deadlift, bench press, and power clean. And then you get to work on some combatives and some basic pistol handling with Nick and John Valentine. This course is open to anyone and everyone. There's no prerequisite. You don't have to have any experience with any of this stuff. So check out the link for details. Press and Bench Press Camp, July 20th in Indianapolis, Starting Strength Indianapolis. Deadlift and Power Clean Camp, April 6th in Queens, New York. And then the following are all squat and deadlift camps with spots still available. April 6th in Indianapolis, April 6th in Phoenix at Weights and Plates, April 6th in Orlando at Starting Strength Orlando with the world's okayest starting strength coach, myself. And then April 6th in Boise at Starting Strength Boise, April 28th in Baltimore, Maryland at 5x3, and November 2nd back in Indianapolis. Folks, if you're not part of the Starting Strength Network, why not? You're missing out on opportunity to, to interact on the, in a private forum, get your questions answered by RIP, access to exclusive content only for Starting Strength Network members, and then the video versions of all of the weekly podcasts. You can head on over and check it out today at network.startingstrength.com and just see how cheap the subscription is for all of the fun and excitement that you're going to get. And as usual, for more information on anything that I've talked about, head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, starting strength radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. Those of you that have followed our little podcast here for any length of time know that from time to time we get out of our wheelhouse. And uh, and the reason we do that is because uh, I'm interested in all kinds of different things and we're going to involve you guys. Uh, and, you know, this is a topic that I've been wanting to discuss for quite some time. And with us today is Mike Davis. He's uh, lives here in Wichita Falls, and he works for the railroads. And today, we are going to talk about one of the largest industries in the United States that nobody knows anything about, which is the rail transportation system in the United States. Now, it is impossible to appreciate how important it is uh, as a as a way to get goods from one point to another cheaply and efficiently across the country. The railroad has been an important part of the transportation sector for hundred and probably 175 years or so by now. Give or take. And uh, my grandfather worked for the railroad a long time ago. 
with a completely different equipment situation than we've got right now. But I don't know anything about it either because he wasn't a talker. So what I decided we would do is we would ask Mike to come on and share the information that he has access to with us and uh, hopefully educate you guys a little bit about this fascinating piece of the American economy, the rail transportation system. Mike, thank you for being here. It's great to be here. Appreciate your time. Sure. Now, let's see how we can best organize that. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's start talking about the equipment that uh, that the railroads utilize, because that's the most obvious thing that everybody sees, is the trains rolling down the tracks. Now, as I understand it, the rail industry is divided into two separate sections. And the first section is the, is the part that operates the trains themselves. And the second section is the part that operates the tracks upon which the trains run. So the tracks are known as the way. Right? Yes, right. And they've got their own union, the Brotherhood of the Way. and we, Right, there's actually a couple different unions, but right. yes, correct. So they, that functions as a completely separate division of the, of the industry. Right? So, right. Basically, uh, it's, I guess it'd be similar to like how a, like a, like a military base runs. You have people that do their particular jobs and we're all somewhat sex, uh, separated, but work together. Uh, we have our rail right. maintenance guys. They come out and take care of ties and rail and switches and stuff like that. Then we have our uh, signal guys. They come out and they make sure all the signals and the crossings are working properly. Mm-hmm. Again, every one of them with a separate union. Uh, even on our side of the TYNE, the transportation uh, industry, uh, the guys that actually operate the trains, we have we have two separate unions as well. Right. So, and doesn't really necessarily mean you have to be any part of one or the other. You just have to pick one. Right. So. Um, yeah, the rail industry has been unionized for a long time, hasn't it? It has, and I don't know exactly when they started it, but I've been out there 19 years, and of course they've oh, been. Oh, it's been back more way than 100 back. years ago, mm-hmm. long, long, long time ago. And uh, as far as I know, they operate without a strike most of the time, don't they? Right. I think a strike. Uh, it's the government really doesn't want us to strike. I no, mean, of course it, not. It, it would be detrimental to the economy. Oh, you couldn't. We, can't have it. Right. Right. So everybody and, tries to get along. Yeah, typically if it gets to the point where we can't come up with an agreement that both parties agree to, then yeah. usually the government steps in and helps us out. Right. Well, it tells you what to do. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so you've got rail, you've got signal, and you've got switches. Track maintenance. Track maintenance is the – right, all right, track maintenance. And, uh, you know, those of us that pay attention to these things will see piles – of uh see piles of ties laying along the side of the road from time to time Mm -hmm. so there are piles of ties laying and those are obviously either one of two things they're piles of new ties that are going to be installed or piles of old ties that have been removed right how do they move that how do they do that what is the physical process they have these big machines and of course i'm not on the maintenance side so i'm going to 
but, generalize it as right. best I can. But they have these big machines that they come, they, they bring in and they dig it out. And the machine actually just moves the tie out. And then next machine moves one in. And then the next machine buries them back up, moves the ballast back So you got in. three different machines there's operating. A, there's a whole line of machines. I mean, and these things are, I mean, just the amount of hydraulics and everything. I mean, they're just oh, incredible I machines. I can't imagine. How often do they change that out? It just depends. I mean, depends on the on the wear and tear. Yeah, wear and tear. You right. know, and I mean, they've done it several times since I've been around. So, so they will, uh, they will uh, inspect all of this stuff on a daily, regular basis. Daily, daily, yes. inspect it daily, and because you can't have this kind of stuff failing, right? And then they will call for a. a a replacement session and we use a different track for a while i guess well what, what, what they do is they have a they have a guy that goes out there and he rides you've seen that every once in a while you'll see just a regular truck on the rail right right just driving down the rail well he's got a machine on his uh truck that's testing that rail yeah. and so the, he'll test the entire rail daily and if there's a spot that seems bad or something's wrong maybe slight sinkhole or maybe the rail's bending a little bit right warping out They'll put speed restrictions on there to slow us down until they can get it fixed. Right, and then then they bring in the other guys, either the welders, whatever mm. whatever needs to be done. Whatever new piece of track needs to be cut in, or if there's just a couple of you know string of bad ties, and they'll have those have those replaced. Well, that's fascinating. I'd like to. Where do they get the ties? You know, I don't really know. Because uh, those are big. I guess they're big pieces of pine or Douglas fir that have been soaked in creosote. Right. And they, they just don't rot. They Yeah, it takes a long time. Definitely takes a long rot. time. rot. I guess they fracture and stuff. They do, and they get old and brittle, and, of course, right. that's that's why we have to change it out. There are right. some sections of rail that you see out there every once in a while that have concrete ties in them. I have seen that in a couple of places, but I would imagine those are much harder to handle. Probably for them. I mean, for us, it's a pretty smooth ride because right. there's no give in concrete. You know, there's a little right. give in wood. Right. So, so when you're riding down the line, you can kind of you feel everything, feel little movements yeah. and stuff right. inside the. Now, our engines have cab cushioning on them, so it's it's supposed to be you know a bit more comfortable than it would be if you were just riding metal on metal. Right. Because that's basically what it is: big metal wheels on big metal rail. Right. And you know it could shift side to side, you know, because there's wear and tear on everything. Sure. But. Uh, it, it could be an incredibly rough ride if we didn't have a little bit of cushioning on the cabs. Right. So the the trains that we see now on on the tracks, especially around here where the where the coal transportation industry is is such a major part of the rail business. Uh, typically, you'll see a, a long coal train assembled with coal cars, which are just open cars that coal's dumped into and out of and two engines on the front and two engines on the back right is that right yes we call the the ones on the rear we call distributive power distributive power that's uh, on the back yes it's a are they pushing yes well they're doing whatever i tell them to do right so it's they're they're remote operated so we control those right. and the ones on the front i'm handling manually right so basically um Whenever you get a train that's too long or has a lot of play in it or it's really heavy, you'd like that little extra push on the rear to help you keep the train bunched up together as you're going through. Because we do break trains from time to time. You know, the, the trains are held together by knuckles. Right. And they're about 90 to 110 pounds of just steel. 
Mm -hmm. Well, on occasion, when you're running a train that's thousands and thousands of tons, those tend to give away. Cause you yeah, have, I guess you break them occasionally. Yeah, you get run outs, you get run ins, and I mean, if you see a train stopped in the middle of somewhere, that I mean, there's there's a chance either they're just waiting for a dispatcher to let them go further, or you know, there's a possibility they have some sort of malfunction, a, like a double. repair of right. some sort. They're waiting right. on on getting fixed. Well, that's always interesting uh, to me to to see a a load like that stuck out in the middle of absolutely nowhere money being wasted so well, and i'm sure that receives a high level of priority well you have to think that we have we have trains going both directions so sometimes you have to make meets where that's where there's you know say you're going east and west you got one train that's coming west and maybe two or three that are going east right and so you have to wait on that one that's west to get out of the way you know right how often do side-by-side tracks exist because most of the time you just notice one piece of track right and, th- and those are called sightings we have we have sightings that are spread out you know anywhere between 7 to 10 to 15 miles apart whatever mm-hmm. it may be usually little towns typically right. but they're 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 a regular feature in the track absolutely. all over everywhere absolutely yeah and then because you got to be able to pass right because right. especially if it's single if there's single track then mm-hmm. you obviously have to be able to get out of the way for somebody else to go right um, but there are places there where they have you know several main lines you'll see three or four main lines there and then you have trains going crazy in just all directions right. uh one of the most fascinating aspects of the railroad business, at least to me, is the amount of power that an electromotive engine can generate. And I, I don't think people understand how these work. Uh, for a long time, I mean, for like, what, 100 years, uh, what we have done is operated the 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 train engine, uh, the, the car that pulls and pushes, is powered by a giant diesel engine that, that operates not the wheels of the train, but electric motors which operate the wheels of the train. Correct. Now, tell us about that about that technology because it's 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 fascinating to me that that uh, these well this, the, basically the motors the long part of the the engine that everybody sees you know those are the engines and those are basically act as generators that power traction motors and right. each of the traction motors act pretty much separately of each other and they can be cut in and cut out you know mm-hmm. um and sometimes you have to some you know something goes wrong or whatever you have to cut one out but that thing powers those motors for either power or what we call dynamic braking which is kind of a retarding force mm-hmm. it's like if you're going downhill right it's i attribute it kind of to like downshifting your car sure how it just kind of slows you down but doesn't stop you so the engine that the, the diesel engine and these things are big giant ass diesel engines with a bore of probably what huge, 12 inches huge giant bore pistons this fucking big yeah we're talking and, barrels of oil right and railroad 
engines don't operate on regular highway diesel i think they're on number three diesel yeah i'm not which is oilier and heavier less refined than so uh, and the way we work is we just take them in it's kind of like taking it to a lube shop we don't mess with any of the motor i mean unless we're out in the middle of somewhere and there's whole another division right the the mechanical division again like i said there's there's so many aspects of the railroad there's so many different divisions right logistical you got your maintenance you got you know this so we don't as far as i the way i work i just you know i pretty much go out there and get on engines and they fuel them for us and drive the things and then get off of correct yeah and if something happens in route that is uh that i'm capable of fixing then Mm -hmm. you know certain things you can you can handle right but when it comes to actually digging into especially the electronics because that's that's just a hazard in itself whenever you get in the electronic cab of that thing so that's left to the professionals you know they're trained pretty well right well, I'm sure they are. What? Uh, so, the the engine itself. Now, when I say engine, I, there's two different definitions at play here. The car <laughs> itself is called an engine, right? The well, we call the, the engine. The engine is, you know, the big ones on the front or the rear. Right. Those uh, are engines. Yeah, and we call the we call everything between them cars. So that's right. So the engines. Or the front, the back. They're the orange things you see pushing orange, and pulling. black, yellow, right. right. And but within that engine, there is an engine. There is a there's a a diesel motor. Correct. If the diesel motor operates generators that produce electricity to the wheels. Right. And that's what drives the car. Correct. That's what drives the train, and the reasons for that are interesting i guess physics uh, it's right it's just has to do with they can generate generate more power torque is is you know maximum torque on an electric motor is produced when the shaft of the motor is still right and if i mean if you're a car guy you understand the difference between instantaneous power with the with the high with the electric cars teslas whatnot right versus drive drive shaft power yeah exactly so just you got power and that's why they went to that from steam locomotives and stuff because they just they just work better. That was probably a hundred years ago. Oh, and I could not imagine working on steam motors. Oh, that. Oh my God, what a pain in the ass yeah, that would have been. If you've ever been up to Childress, they have one on display that you can actually go out there and walk around and look at. Right. And I mean, it just looks like it would have been miserable, hot, and oh, I mean, sure. shoveling coal. Oh, God. <laughs> We've seen them in Western movies. Oh, yeah, we? absolutely. So uh, how many people does it take to operate a two-mile-long coal train? First off, what's the longest coal train you guys will operate? Uh, well. I may be wrong about two miles. It seems like two miles. <laughs> well, I've, I've run them up to just over 16,000 feet. 16,000 feet is three and a half miles. Yeah. It? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Three and a half mile long culture. Yeah. What does that weigh? Uh, so you figure somewhere. See, this is the interesting part of this whole thing. It's in, just incomprehensible amount of mass. Yeah, I mean, moving and, down that moving down the railroad under the under the force produced by either four or probably in that situation six engines yeah if you have one that long you've probably got somewhere in the realm of eight eight yeah would you put engines in the middle yes of the cars in a situation yeah, like so that? you can do front middle and rear <laughs> yeah. and that's i've run one of those and i mean it's 
it's a lot to think about. It's really mentally fatiguing. Oh, I'm sure it is. you're thinking about, see, when we run a train out there, and most people don't realize this when they're in a car, but if we're a mile and a half long, which is, you know, a typical train, give, give or take, yeah, right. if it's a mile and a half long, you're thinking about the hills that you've already been over. Right. You're thinking about what your rear end's doing, where your middle of your train's right. at. Right. And again, we talked about trains breaking. If you're not operating that correctly, then you can it's have just a, too much tension in the middle of the you Right, know. right. We have we have forces out there that just come back and forth on each other and Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. That's uh that's that's I guess there are computers that calculate some of that stuff. Yeah, you, they, right? well for us it's there's really nothing you can't really see that, you feel it. I mean, if you mess up, you feel it. I mean, right. I've seen I've seen drinks fly to the back of the cab because the rear end of the train came in too hard, you know. And it's wow. that, that's a we call it a run in, you know, which is better than a run out. It's where your head end leaves the rest of your train, just right. runs out real quick. Tension, compression, right. right? Yeah. So, how many guys does it take to operate a mile and a half long coal train? Generally, there's two: an engineer and a conductor. So the conductor is the guy in the back. Nope, he's he's sitting right next to me, just similar to what so you and I. So both of them are in the same mm-hmm. room. Yep, basically. Yep. And what does the engineer do? The engineer operates the engines. Um, so basically, the the conductor is in charge of the freight. Right. He's in charge of looking at what's going on back there. Making sure he, the colds. Making sure. Uh, well, there's compliance issues, you know, things well, sure. things that aren't supposed to be next to other things or, you know, however many cars are supposed to be away from motors because, you know, the, the the motor generates heat. heat yeah, different stuff, yeah. Yeah. But uh, And then anywhere along the way, if uh, something happens, maybe we break or if we have to stop and pick up or set out a car, you know, mm-hmm. that conductor is the one that gets on the ground. He takes care of all that. Right, so he might be the guy you see walking beside the right, right to go back and inspect the particular right. item. Right, right, and the engineer operates the power. Right, yep. Right, and I basically just do what he tells me. I mean, right, it's pretty much the conductor is the foreman of the job. Right, so he's he's the one that's in charge of most everything, and my job is just, just to make the thing go, just to go go forwards and backwards. Right. Well, that's interesting. Two guys operating this great big long ass so you guys are in the front probably yes right is and nobody's in the back two engines Mm-mm. nope they're locked up they're secured they're just back there and uh, we control them with uh, uh the front locomotive so just how do you communicate is signal it, it's wi-fi kind of thing similar to it something yeah. like that yeah right? yeah yeah, it's it, we just uh, we link we call it linking them up, right? Um, just radio stuff. Process you go through, but yeah, there's yeah. not a wire that goes down no, the car. No, no, it's all it's right. all in the air. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's terribly interesting. You've got uh, two guys responsible for that amount of. Uh, uh, once again, what does it weigh? You can. Is there a maximum amount of weight? that you can run down there are there are maximum amount of weight for a car but right far as i know as the length of a train could just i mean you i've seen them all the way up to thirty thousand tons thirty thousand tons that doesn't seem like that'd be hard to do well that's millions and millions of pounds thirty thousand tons calculate that 
tons. Thousand tons. tons. That's, that's a lot. Yeah, that, that's it's like seventy million pounds or somewhere in there. Yeah, that's that's sixty a million. Lot. Thirty thousand times two thousand. Six is sixty. Sixty million. Sixty million pounds. And that doesn't count the weight of your engines. Oh, that that that's just the payload, mm-hmm. right? It's the freight. <laughs> yeah. But most trains aren't that heavy. Uh, it's rare that you'll ever see one that heavy. That's just so one of the largest ones train? I've ever seen. That's two coal trains. That'd be yeah. two coal trains. Yeah, one coal train can be anywhere between 15,000 18,000. Tons. Mm-hmm. What, and a, but a freight train, really, box cars and, you yeah. know. And you really can Container can't. cars and, and uh, that's mostly air. And you, yeah, you really can't gauge what that's going to weigh until you right. until they send it to you and you run your paperwork because everything's going to be different because you're going to have some loaded cars, some empty cars. You know, the mixed freight trains they're just uh, they're just a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I said, some cars you could have a, just like a line of loaded cars and then a couple of empties and then mm-hmm. you know, steel auto racks. So you know, all kinds of things. if they're taking empty cars down the track, in assembled into a train then they're taking empty cars to where they need empty cars, right? Right, right. And that's, there's a whole logistical section, and they're the ones that decide when these cars need to leave yards and mm-hmm. where they're supposed to go for a particular loading of whatever it is that they're going to be loaded with. Right. Fascinating. What is, uh, what is the longest train you have ever ridden on? The longest train that I ran was... Uh, 16,000 yeah 16,000 feet yeah just short of 16,000 feet so that's three and a half miles yeah just over three miles just well that's just amazing it's just amazing it covers up it covers up a lot of a lot of property so if you've got two engines in the front two in the middle and two in the rear mm-hmm. still there's two guys in the front and that's it yeah there's one and there's one guy controlling the engines that's his that's your primary job as an engineer is to control the engines and if you so got, you'd be in charge of six engines right one guy in charge of six engines right but it's all it's all hey all, it's 2024 hey technology is insane <laughs> technology i would is imagine insane. it is yeah and, i would imagine it is insane because i i you know the things we've come up with over the past 50 years that but they managed to operate this shit yeah i mean in the complete absence of all of that electronic help for decades yeah they did. Decades. they did but it was a lot slower and a lot, a lot less efficient right well speaking of speed how fast does a coal train move we don't Coal trains are speed limited because they're too heavy to go super fast. I mean, you have right. to you have you to can't be able stop to stop the damn it. thing, right? And I mean, even at their speed, you know, if you're running between forty and fifty miles an hour or whatever it is, um, you need to know where and when to start to stop. Right. Not just like, hey, I need to stop right there. Well, if I need to stop right there, I need to start way back there. Sure just because of the physics of the situation. Right, and especially if you're uphill, downhill, it's all, there's there's var- there's variables. So one of the coal trains that go through here that come from Wyoming mm-hmm. that go down to Glen Rose, how many times will that train stop 
between Wyoming and Glen Road. Yeah, that's that's probably an uncountable number, and it really? and it and it depends on the amount of traffic that's out there. Because some days you have great days. I mean, if you look at the highways, sometimes the highways are packed with cars, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's just wide open road. Right. We have that same thing. Same you know, thing. Sometimes sometimes there's just not a lot of traffic running against you, and you just have a phenomenal trip. So, so if you're coming south on a coal train. And you're going to ride the coal train from point A to point B. And are you going to start in Wyoming and end up in Glen Rose? Or are you going to, does the crew change? We have crew change spots, right. So basically every major town you see, you know, think Fort Worth, Wichita Falls, Amarillo, Belen, New Mexico, Clovis. You know, a lot of towns have terminals. (laughs) And I mean, that's widely known. You can see these giant complexes of of rail and uh typically you stop there and you change out crews because we're we're mandated by federal law to only be allowed to work up to 12 hours 12 hours in one shift and then you've got to change guys yeah then we have to have federal rest just like truck drivers you know we have to we have to have a mandatory amount of rest i kind of figured it was something like that but i see what i had figured is it might make sense to have two crews on the on the train and have one crew sleeping while the other crews at work i wouldn't doubt that that's what they would love to have but that's not I'm sure that's not exactly what the crews want really yeah i mean we'd like to be home sometimes yeah yeah i guess you could but on like a how long does it take to get a train from wyoming to Glen rose oh it could take a couple Three days, days probably two days on, yeah for a good trip and that just depends on whether or not the next terminal is ready for it you know mm-hmm. i mean sometimes they're just not ready to take that train through so they have to put it in a spot where you know they can secure it and and wait for whenever, right. whenever they're ready to handle it. So the answer is it varies. It very much does. Varies highly variable. Well, that's that's uh, that's interesting. Does a does a coal train operate? And I say coal train. People don't understand. Uh, around here, probably two thirds of the trains that I see on the tracks are coal trains, just because of the nature of this power generation business here in mm-hmm. North Texas. Does a coal train operate differently than what would be called a freight train, which is cars with different types of merchandise? Sure. And I mean, really every train operates a little bit differently. Right. I mean, two, th- two cars don't operate the same way if you're driving a car. You know, if you're, right. if you're a hot rod guy, you know, this car might be a little bit different than this car just because it has sure. a, you know, it's a little... T- well, I'm talking about the rules for the for the for the conduct of the, there, of the train. Well, there are there are specific rules for certain kinds of freight trains, you know, speed restrictions. If right. you're handling certain material or whatever, then you have to you have to abide by those. Coal trains are pretty cut and dry cuz they're always the same thing. It's mm-hmm. always a coal train or it's always an empty coal train, one of the two. So, you right. pretty much know how to operate those up and down. I guess how much you know, one of the things that that has occurred to me over the course of me just watching this shit happen is the difference in operating an empty coal train taking empty cars back to the coal mine Mm -hmm. versus a loaded coal train coming south i mean the difference in mass of those two objects has got to be yeah, when you're running you know, an empty versus a load, eight or ten thousand percent. Oh yeah, I mean your your empties couple thousand tons versus you know fifteen to twenty thousand tons or whatever it may be. Right. So it, I mean it runs 
substantially better. And I remember when they changed out the coal cars from steel to aluminum. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that take place. Yeah. Could you occasionally, tell that occasionally you still see a couple steel cars? Occasionally, but, but mm-hmm. most of them are aluminum. Obviously, they're saving a whole bunch of fuel there. Well, of you the can weight. also you can also move more coal because you can only put certain a certain amount of weight in a car on a track. Right. So they can't exceed. So the, the track uh, is weight limited per linear foot or something like that. I guess so. That yeah, yeah. I guess you can look at it that way. So yeah, well, you can only have so much weight in one car if it exceeds that weight on certain tracks. Then something has to be done you have to get a waiver right and then you're probably going to be speed limited or i guess individual tracks are rated differently probably yeah yeah Yeah, there's you've got a whole uh, you got one track that's concrete ties you probably yeah well it's not necessarily that i think it's just the density of the track really i mean if it's different weight tracks right you know because some tracks you know in terms of the rail yes yes the like I'm not exactly sure what ours is, but I want to say it's like 130 something pounds per foot of is rail. what could be loaded. No, that's how much that piece of rail weighs. Oh, oh, foot. what it raise per foot. Yeah, and so and there are certain levels, lighter track. Of course, you can't go as fast on lighter track because it's you know not flimsier. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just not rated to handle certain things. Right. I've got some weights at the gym that are farmer's walk weights that we had made out of pieces of rail it's amazing how heavy they yeah it's are. like i said 130 something pounds per foot per linear foot mm-hmm. yeah that, that's just that's just astonishing uh how many different gauges of rail well that's the wrong word gauges yeah. width uh between the between the tracks how many how many different um what would it be called? Uh, weight ratings of rail are there? That's, are there different thicknesses? That, different, yeah, I'm, there there are several. And it's, it gets better as we get as we go along with technology, but that's that'd be beyond what I know because I'm not a I'm not a rail I'm not a track maintenance guy. Right, but the, so the track maintenance guys would recognize that right away. This, probably. Is, this is 130 pound rail, right? And this is 110 pound rail, sure. and what what the lightest they would have would be no i don't i don't really know i mean yeah it's a, since we it's a separate deal yeah right? and you know certain certain smaller rails who only handle you know a couple of cars at a time or you know industries or whatnot they might have lighter rail you know right but but i don't know a whole lot about the actual part of the rail right well i i, I wonder just as a side i wonder when the last time they built a new track railroad with easements and all it's constructed a brand new track was recently really yeah they're acquiring property and making well and they're adding on to existing property all right. over the place they're growing well that's probably they're growing in width in terms of the size of the easement yeah but that, i mean a cross-country brand new railroad that's oh, never been there that's, before that that would that's been a long that time. That would cost a lot of money. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. It yeah. Would. And I don't know what it costs now, but it, it used to be an old thing that uh, people would talk about, and this is years ago, but they would say over a million dollars a mile. Oh, my Just God. to build rail. Because you got to, you know, you got to get all those machines out. You got to maintain the machines. You got to pay mm-hmm. the crews. You got to buy the material. I mean, it's, well, the rail, I, the rail sure industry is not a cheap industry. No, they're, they're probably through building railroad. 
what they're not through with is maintenance in railroad maintenance. upgrading technology mm-hmm. for the right. stuff they've got they could right th- and they're still out there lengthening some tracks those side tracks that we have you know where we have to stop and meet other trains they're lengthening those to to handle bigger longer trains mm-hmm. um they're building different tracks to yards are getting you know congested because business is good at times and they need more tracks to go around the yards right. or you know so it's 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 a constant thing for maintenance you know uh we own some property up in colorado and and there is a a little track that goes down in front of one of our uh, entrances into the place we we have and there are probably 20 cars that have been parked on that piece of track for the past three years is that common not necessarily common but there are times where that particular car isn't needed for anything right or if it's just a slow season for whatever that hauls mm-hmm. you know and i mean we have we have places where we store things that aren't necessarily needed you know because mm-hmm. you would think that i mean it's understandable that the holiday seasons you know we ship a lot of consumer goods right because people are ordering things for christmas right sure so you need everybody's busy you need more of those kind of cars Mm -hmm. you know or if the weather's about to get bad maybe they need more coal cars right because they're forecasting you know needing more coal at any particular plant power generation sure right uh well continuing on about the equipment how many different types of engines are there several there are several different types and we run like you said earlier, electromotives and um, GEs a lot. Right. Electromotive, I think that was the DMDs. name of the company that invented that that diesel to electrical. Yeah, that was before my time. But yeah, it was a yeah. long-ass time ago. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they're neat machines. I mean, they, they produce thousands of horsepower. I mean, it's insane. Oh, God, way more than that. Thousands. Sure. Way more than that. I'm sure the torque that one of those things has to be able to produce to break a two-mile-long coal train from standing still to moving down the track yeah. at 55 miles Yeah, an anywhere. And that's, course, just, that's, that's what just baffles and, me. And, I mean, How in the hell do you... Combining those amount of horsepowers, you know, because say you got four to 5,000 horsepower on one motor and then you got four motors, you know, you got quite a bit of horsepower. Right. And Well, more than more than horsepower torque would be the the primary consideration in terms of getting the thing started sure from zero miles an hour sure we don't we just don't rate torque ratings we have horsepower per ton ratings so we know we know we know what kind of horsepower we need to pull what kind of tonnage right so there's there's an equation that we do and you have to have a certain amount for any particular territory or you can't make it over that territory so that would determine be determined by the topography. If you've got a two thousand foot grade to climb over the next right thirty miles, you've got to right. You know, and that's you know there, there's there's a big elevation hike between here and say Amarillo or Colorado. Oh yeah. So you need power. We are here at eight hundred and fifty feet above sea level, mm-hmm. and Amarillo is like twenty six or something oh, like that. Twenty five. Oh, it's more than that. 
It's in the, it's like 3,500 feet. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. But, it's, but there's a big hike. And I mean, like I said, you don't see this kind of thing when you're driving down the highway. Oh, no. Because your car doesn't react to hills, you know, unless no. it's a massive one, like going through New Mexico and you see those big, big hills. But these gradual inclines that we have here, you don't see them. Well, like the road between Clayton and, uh, and Raton, that's that's seven thousand feet. That's the yeah. There's a that's and a there's pretty a track fa- down right down that road. Yeah, that's a pretty famous spot on the rail. A lot of people know about. It's called the uh, the Raton Pass. I guess is what they call it. Raton Pass is yeah. That's north of the city of Raton. Yeah. But that whole area up there is extremely high elevation. Very high grade. Yeah. And I would hate to be going down that hill on any heavy train to be honest with you yeah and that would be going from if you're going down that would be going from about the middle of that road which is us 87 i think and down into clayton new mexico and then back down to amarillo that's you're losing a lot of grade yeah that that takes a that's a that's a lot that's a lot on your brakes yeah you know that's takes some good engineers to keep that under control now now that's a that's an interesting point do all of the cars have brakes on the wheels yes and the engines are used for slowing things down as well right we don't typically so when we set brakes on a train we have an actuator um, on our independence the the brakes on the engines are called independent brakes Mm-hmm. And if we say we're going down a hill, we need to you know maintain or slow down. We set our, our air brakes, and uh, so you use actual friction brakes. Yeah, yeah. There's brake pads on the wheels. So you, but what about the ability of the engine to downshift? The, yeah. So and that put that load on the on the on the engine itself. Yeah. The retarding force we have it's called dynamic braking. So when you start going downhill or uh, you're just trying to slow down. Typically, you don't want to use dynamic braking going uphill because that just doesn't make any sense. No. But, um, but yeah, that does that does put a pretty good force on the engines. But typically, you don't use that for stopping purposes. It's more of control. Right. So, and you don't want to you don't want to use your engine brakes while you're using the rest of your brakes. Right. Because we need those wheels to be operable. You know. So on how many axles are there on a car? Two, four. So there's four, two in the front, two in the back. Typically, yeah. There's 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 different cars with more, but the your typical car, the average car is going to have four axles. So if you got four axles, you got eight sets of brakes on the car. Mm-hmm. Multiplied by the length of the train. Right. So and say you have 400 axles, you have 400 brakes i mean and of course the engines are not going to be used as rolling brakes right okay all right that's what i was that's what i was wondering when we set the air and the brakes set up on the entire train we actuate them to release the engine brakes so we can still control the engines properly interesting what does a a wheel weigh you know i don't know i have no idea i know they're massive they're oh i can't they use cranes these for one wheel Mm mm-hmm yeah, they have the you, have, you see you see those trucks that have little cranes on them. I mean, right? They don't necessarily need giant cranes that you would think right. it's in but the city. It's gotta but it's got to be. Yeah, it's got to be a hydraulic powered lifter. I mean, several tons. Yeah, I'm I mean, sure. you've been a power lifter for years. I would assume that it'd be difficult for you to move one. 
oh, pick one up on one side. No, I'm 67. I'm not even thinking about doing that. <laughs> <Hell, God. laughs> there was a there was a famous uh, object back in weightlifting history called Apollon's axle. You ever seen that? Oh, the, you think you walk around? No, no. It was a it was a, a <coughs> piece of bar stock about three inches in diameter with two train wheels on it. That's probably equally as hard to and pick it, up as it, the, it, the balls. It was, it was like uh, it was like a five hundred pound object, but With the, the fat grip. But that's the, but, that's a, the but a three inch. Right deal and just the ability i mean they they used to try to deadlift that i think lewis sear pressed it one time that's strong 500 pounds <laughs> oh god oh my with a with a fat three inch axle oh it's insane just, just insane he was a great big man great big giant strong man but uh yeah the so how many different types of cars are there? Oh, thousands. I mean, thousands. I, every you got cattle cars and you've got coal yeah, cars. We don't really do a lot of grain bins and yeah. Oh, really? A, a, it, it, a lot of people think livestock is not a big part of the. Not for us. Trip. Not not what we do. I haven't seen livestock moved on rail in a while. It might be elsewhere, but nowhere that I've seen that the cars. Well, just you recently. Maybe you thought you saw them, but those are auto maxes. Those are auto cars, and a lot of people mistake those for cattle cars because it looks like what a, a semi is rolling down the street in. Right. But they they those carry vehicles. Really? Yeah, big yeah, tall ones. Yeah, because you can see the sides are vented. Yeah, those are you know? those are for vehicle facilities to transport really? cars. Yeah. So the railroad doesn't transport cattle very much. Not that I'm aware of. Not not around here. Well, you'd be aware of it because around here there's cattle. There so. was, there is. Yeah. That would be. Uh, I would imagine if a railroad was transporting cattle, they're carrying a a whole bunch of cattle from houston to chicago or something like that yeah that's what they used to do because yeah. you but know they now, now we have the trucks that do it and right I mean, right so that's just not a big part of the industry yeah i, I guess it's to the point where we don't want to have to maintain feeding them or washing no, you don't want to be responsible for yeah, the, that's, a whole bunch of cattle showing up dead in chicago right and, right no I, I certainly understand that yeah so but no, I've seen I've seen that uh, I've seen people mistaking those cars for cattle's. Um, yeah, you see posts online. You know, people like, how dare they run these trains just parked on the side of the road with these animals? There's no animals in there. There's no animals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> standard deal. Oh, it, you know, it's what's fascinating is that I know that there are people that think there is coal laying all over the all over the railroad track from uh coal rattling out of the out of the coal cars. it's amazing it stays in there so well i mean it's well they they know exactly how much to put in there right right even uh <laughs> it can't go uphill you so. know you see sand trains out there sometimes because we haul sand as yeah. well and uh surprisingly you don't lose that much sand you know if sand would blow out you would think but i You'd mean think but yeah i mean sometimes you see a little you know a little dust cloud but usually i guess they're sometimes i guess they have a a, a chemical they spray on top of it yeah that just kind hardens it, for, it. Yeah, yeah right yeah but i don't know that process because i don't ever go to the sand plants so but yeah coal doesn't, doesn't come out of the tray it's 
Mm-hmm. So I would imagine some, that that early in the trip, some dust would fly. Sure, or in the middle of the trip, if you get uh, if you're going over a big hill and your rear end comes over and kind of knocks it a little bit, yeah, you know, just gives it a jolt every once in a while. You'll see a little puff, a little puff of mm-hmm. coal dust coming sure. up out, yeah. of the, out of the deal. That's uh, that's interesting. What else does the train transport? Oh man all kinds of material i mean well, shirts tires tools i mean I just mean, everything in the u.s economy basically at some point moves by rail yeah whether it's in the in the the raw materials phase or finished goods phase yeah you see i mean you can go out there in the public and you can see amazon cars i mean you can see yeah, fedex seen, cars i mean these it. are all general knowledge things that people can go out there i mean so we're running fedex you know anything that can be ordered off of amazon could be shipped by rail or truck right. or however they want to ship it you know but hell these mics yeah, might have been on a train what these mics might have been on a train oh i'm quite sure mm-hmm. i'm quite sure what uh what about food does food get transported on yeah you can see uh you'll see some of those cards out there that have these little generators on the side there's refrigeration oh okay yeah i've seen those yeah so some some i guess it's food yeah or anything that needs to be kept cold food to be kept cold sure i'm sure they have frozen food on those things if you've got a plant in california and they have to transport to iowa right and and again we don't i mean we never go inside the cars those cars they from the time they're loaded they're locked and sealed and then they're transported if the seal is broken off the car then there's a problem you know how would that even happen uh just vagrants accidents yeah accidents stuff like that yeah people don't ride the freight trains anymore no no not really i mean every once in a while you'll find something but uh Security is pretty tight on that. No, oh, I'm sure it has to be. God almighty. I mean, usually, I mean, if you're passing by uh, civilians on the road, they'll call and say, hey, I saw a guy on a train, you know, just a guy trying to get from A to B. Uh, but, man, cops are pretty quick on that. Right on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so types of cars, uh, I guess it, in a in a in a general sense, there are cars that are open mm-hmm. like a coal car yep right or, or a car with no sides a you know, car lumber. with no sides lumber flatbeds mm-hmm. would carry lumber and cars that are enclosed mm-hmm. which protect the freight from the elements during transport right right pallets of stuff right yeah um we have uh we have open or center beams that carry uh anything from lumber to drywall Mm -hmm. uh then you have your flats they carry all kinds of steel you know just solid beds of steel Mm -hmm. um then you have i mean all kinds of things fuel or uh oil you know there's just Mm -hmm. so many tank cars we've seen that yeah yeah. all the tank cars yeah so many different kinds of cars right a lot of times uh a lot of times if it's multiple is just no telling what's on that train i mean just right. all kinds of all kinds of neat stuff is there a is there a term for a train that's assembled with a whole bunch of different stuff versus like a coal train where everything's the same thing yeah the the coal train we consider bulk commodity right so it's all it's it's all one it's thing one thing yeah i mean commodity. you see that or sand train or you know stuff like that something like that um and then the other ones we call mixed freight mixed freight mm-hmm. okay and that's just like i said could freight be trains anything. yeah and it could be mom and pop shops needing feed 
you know, right. cattle feed or something. I mean, any, anything, right. anything could be on those. So here's a, a, an interesting question to most everybody that's, that's listening. How do you assemble a train? How do you put the damn thing together? This is, it seems like such an amazing logistical effort to do this. It, I mean, it takes, it does take a lot. Um, as far as the logistics side of it, they get all the orders in and then they make a list of things that need to happen for them to build that train. Then we, there are, they're train masters. Um, they work in the towers or whatever, you know, they kind of our bosses. Um, but then they get yard crews, the, couple of guys two or three guys depending upon what kind of crew it is and they go down there with lists and they find the cars in the yard and they build that train how do you do that so, i mean if you've got a car over here that you need to be here so what the hell <laughs> you have a you you see these big yards and i mean you can google map these things and i mean some of them are incredibly large well like but, the one in fort worth there in the right. middle of town just saginaw yeah oh god you know right and so basically what you have is you have a track that comes down and then it kind of curves out and then you have all these other tracks that go right. along there and so now you have all these cars in these tracks maybe maybe a train brought a, a mixed freight train came in right and that's not its final location so it has to be broken down into different trains like it just needed to get here so that it could go other directions right so and then you'll have a yard crew go in there and they'll just pick it apart and put it in certain tracks and try to build that how, well, how do they get one car from one track to another it it's not that hard um they just separate the cars and put them back together and connect they've them. got an engine that just moves one car at a time mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's a switch engine and you see that out that's here. That's called the switch engine. Yeah, you see that out here. There's switch engines that run around out here every once in a while. They're, just, they're the smaller engines. You mm -hmm. know, they just move cars in and out of industries and whatnot. Right, the, the symbol trains. So if you are riding a train from Amarillo to Fort Worth, would that be something you would do? Mm -hmm. You'd ride a train from Amarillo to Fort Worth. When it gets, when you leave with it in Amarillo and it gets to Fort Worth, what happens to it in Fort Worth? Uh, depends on what kind of train it is, where it's going, what it's doing. Mm -hmm. If it's a mixed freight train, then they'll put it in the yard, and unless it's supposed to go elsewhere, you know, yeah. as it is, then they'll just switch it out and build different trains out of that. Because I mean, you can have a couple different directions, cars coming in that need to go this direction, and that's where the logistical genius comes in. They just figure out all these cars that need to go to louisiana right. or you know newton kansas or wherever it's going you know and then they build a train out of that well where all right say let's say that that 20 percent of these cars are going to louisiana and 60 percent of these cars terminal destination is fort worth mm -hmm. how do you unload the car because all of us wondering what in the hell is going on in the in the in the rail yard how do you get the freight we don't off? unload we don't unload the freight all we do is move it so who unloads the freight uh, whoever ordered the stuff so so if you order a, a three car loads of lumber mm -hmm. 
they call you and say your lumber is here. Yeah, they'll they'll schedule and, and you they'll, go. They'll, they'll schedule everything, and that particular place will have trucks that come in, kind of like you see these big warehouses where trucks back in mm-hmm. and they unload pallets or whatnot. It's the same. Yeah. It's the same Loading same docks. process. Yeah, we have the we have spots that we go through with industries and just give them their material, and we just we put the cars in there and we leave. It's, Who takes it off of the cars? It's, that's their responsibility. I they guess. do that. Yeah. Yeah. As far as so they've got their own department that handles mm-hmm. freight coming off of a off of a train. Yeah, yeah, we're transportation. That's we just we just transport. Right. And then when it gets there, it's out of your purview. Right. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. It just seems interesting to me. Like I guess Sutherland's orders a load of three cars of some kind of lumber. So Sutherland's comes to the rail yard no, uh, and loads it on trucks and takes it away? Well, not necessarily how it works around here. Um, the places that order things have tracks. So we'll actually take the cars to those tracks. Ah, so to the switch places. engine will haul it right. across town. to Right. I mean, we'll set out if cars belong somewhere here in Wichita Falls, then mm-hmm. a passing train that has those cars will set them out, and then the switch engine will take those and deliver them. Right. So the load really doesn't leave the car until it's... At its final destination. At its final destination. I right. see. Okay. Right. And like I said, all we do is... All we do is move them. What do the guys do on the train? So let's say you – what's a typical trip look like for you? Uh, you You're going to work 12 hours on a trip. Sure. Uh, you come in. You get your call. We get a call an hour and a half before our on-duty time. You know, so you get home, stop whatever it is you're doing or wake up or, you know, whatever. And then you pack your bag, you know, make a lunch, whatever, and uh, show up at the – at the depot and then you review your train you and your conductor you go over the train make sure it's in compliance and make sure there's nothing out of the ordinary and that's your responsibility yes and then we look at uh, we look at the track orders make sure we know what speed we're supposed to go make sure we know if there's any speed restrictions out there or maintenance out there working we Mm -hmm. definitely don't want to run through maintenance so those are all the things that we brief about so you will will be at the depot and you're going to review everything that's going on between where you are at this depot and where you're headed to that depot right and you're going to verify that everything's cleared up that there's no maintenance problems and that right you haven't got somebody headed toward you on the same track right and that's that's where the dispatchers come in i mean we have we have overlay systems out there to help us with uh with you know our signaling and where we're supposed to go and how far we can go when we're supposed to stop but we have we talk to a dispatcher constantly right a dispatcher is in charge of you know taking us as far as we can to right. make a meet or whatever i mean we just we basically just get out there and go as far as we can we stop where the dispatcher tells us we're supposed to stop um if you we try not to block crossings um, that's that's try a, not to do what block crossings road crossings block, right right yeah. right and, right yeah uh, I see. bullshit i live in iowa park bullshit <laughs> <laughs> so they block crossings all the time and I if, will, if, iowa park deserves it though it, but you see how <laughs> you see how many crossings are between wichita and iowa park oh yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it's impossible oh yeah yeah no it's impossible not to block a crossing or two no no it yeah. happens all the time happens all the time mm-hmm. uh, i've got one right up the road from me and it, it's it's amazing how often you'll see a a train cross that crossing 
and not stop. I don't think I have had to stop down there for a train. Is it, sing, it is it single track or double track it's right there? Single track. Yeah, so that's a. They're just they're just passing through. Yes, yeah, they Typi- don't. They typically don't stop. Not, up typically there. not a parking spot. If they if they're parked there, something's wrong. Right now, there's a switch track, mm-hmm. side track, whatever that's called. Probably a quarter of a mile west of that. Yeah, of and that they, road cross. And there very well could be a time where you see it blocked because there's more than one train. You know. Right. You know, sometimes you, they get backed up. You know, say a train up the road breaks, or we've got a high priority train coming. You got to wait on it. Right. If are there rules about how long you can park on a crossing? Uh, there are. Yeah, there are. You're not supposed to be able to block certain crossings if there's no way around. Right. For more than I think it's 15 minutes. But if there's a way around, then, I mean, and you have to think, there's, I mean, sometimes there's just no other choice for us to block. No, I can understand If you're a mile long and you're going where you're You're a mile long and something's wrong. Yeah, I mean, we get yelled at all the time. Yeah. People come over and pull up next to the train and, you know, try to get our attention. We'll open the window and just get yelled at because we're blocking a crossing, you know, and sometimes just how it is i mean sorry yeah we do do anything about it we hold off tell you what you come up here and move it yeah (laughs) we hold off when and where we can but sometimes it's inevitable right right so a trip looks like what for you so you start off at the depot and you're Mm -hmm. gonna you're gonna review your uh everything your train the the whole tonnage yeah and look at that for the day and make sure that everything is okay between here and there mm-hmm. and then you go get on the train mm-hmm. and the train is assembled for you when you get on the thing right because i'm a through freight engineer right so i'm not a i don't i don't go to a place where i have to assemble a train typically so yeah i'm a the inbound crew comes in and then i take over right and then they go home and get rest and I, right and i take it the rest of the way so you get on the train and then what happens um then i get on the train download or upload all my information into the computers that we have up there and um talk to our dispatcher and take off and i mean from there on you're just trying to be as observant as you can watching for anything that might be out there right and keeping keeping a good tab on your speed restrictions and con- train control, you know. Uh, so when you're sitting in the engine, you're sitting in the engine, and everybody's looked at these engines, and there are there's a, a series of glass windscreens in mm-hmm. the front. Are you sitting in a position where you can see out and down? You I mean, can you can see down. You can tell us about the configuration of. The yeah, you can see you can see down to a certain point. I mean, obviously you can't see right no. down the nose, but yeah, you're sitting up, you know, fairly close to where the windshield's at. Right. And you can see a pretty good distance. I mean, I remember the first time I ever got on a train, I got up there and I looked down at the rail, which looked kind of small from all the way up there. Because and I was you're like, thirty feet in the air. Yeah, I guess. yeah, that's pretty high up there, and you're sitting there thinking, "Wow, that's all." That's it. <laughs> We're gonna take this thing on that. All right, let's do it. You know, it's uh, it was pretty surreal, in the, surreal in the in the beginning. A buddy of mine used to fly B fifty twos, and he said 
something similar. He said it's like it's like flying a building. Mm-hmm. This is the size of the damn thing. Yeah, I was. Like, it's not like flying a fighter plane. It's mm-hmm. flying a building. Yeah, but uh, so you're are there? So you've got your conduct. You're an engineer. You're a conductor. Who sits where? Uh, it's it's. Does it matter? Yeah, yeah, because the I, the conductor doesn't have the controls. He's got a desk and radio. So controls and, are on the left. Uh, on the right. On the right. Yeah. Controls are on the right. Mm-hmm. Opposite of an automobile. Right. Right. Yeah. Probably because of England or something. So and and the conductor's on the left. Mm-hmm. And then there's another seat behind the conductor for in the event that you have a third party, you know, a student, somebody training, somebody new, a familiarizer. How often does that happen? Uh, generally doesn't happen that often a couple of times a month year a couple of times yeah. a year yeah i mean if we're running a if you're running a class then sure that that's going to be constant on certain trains but uh that's only when you're running classes for whatever right. engineers or conductors. And stuff. right hmm so train starts mm-hmm. right you're the engineer you start the train how do you start the train it's very similar to actually just driving a, a car or, or an 18-wheeler. I mean, you, you have your throttles, um, you knock your brakes off, and you it's a, it's more of a gentle process, though. I mean, we can get oh, out. Oh, it has to be. Yeah. We, that we, many we, moving components. Yeah, we can get out here in our car and just stomp on the gas and burn out. Um, with the engine, you just you want to be more gentle because there's one. Well, you don't want to break things. Right. Well, not just Because these things produce giant amounts of torque because they have to so you have to be very very controlled in terms of how you apply that torque to the track right right and plus it i mean it all it varies on what you're hauling too i mean if it's a heavier train it's definitely a slower start sure lighter trains they get up and they move a little bit better um but certain things certain trains you might have liquid in them that's sloshes. You don't want it to slosh. Yeah. So, I mean, sure. everything, every train you get on is a little bit different somehow. A coal train is probably the most uniform load that you that you can transport down, right. the, down the rail, right? Right. Um, and that's generally you can, you can, you have a pattern on how you run things, especially when you've run thousands of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know exactly what you need to do and where you need to do it. But from time to time, it runs a little different. Mm-hmm. Maybe you got weaker engines. Maybe your engines on the rear aren't as strong as a brand new set of engines or something. So there's there's always small variables, but mm-hmm. it, usually it's pretty much the same. You could pretty much take notes for a new guy, hand him notes, and he'll right. be able to run a territory. So you you would d- d- turn all the brakes off on the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. I guess you'd never park on a grade. Sometimes you have to. Do you? Yeah. So you would probably, in a situation like that, have the brakes come off in a phase. Well, right? we can't control that. It's they just it's it, they're all air. So you either have them set or you have them knocked off, and you know you can set different amounts. So you would turn all the brakes off, so all the wheels are free to roll, and then you would start to apply 
Yeah, if you're on throttle. a if you're on a heavy grade, a lot of times you you might want to start throttling before, before you, you knock take the brakes break, off. Sure. Sure. That way you have something holding. Just like you, you would know, in a or in a truck. Right. right. Exactly. Because right. because you'll roll, you'll go backwards, and nobody wants to go backwards on nobody a truck. Nobody wants to go backwards because then you got to stop going backwards and then go forward. Yeah. And well, now you can't, we're using a bunch of. Well, if you go backwards, you can't see. So yeah. you, you don't know well, what's back there. Yeah. Right. That's that's one of the huge no-nos out there. We don't go backwards. So there are no circumstances under which a train will operate from the guys in the front backwards. Uh, not usually. No, unless unless there's something happens. But usually we'll we'll get a guy out there. Uh, the conductor might have to get out there and go to the rear, and he'll protect my my backup move. Okay. Interesting. So uh, the throttle comes on how long would it take to get a a coal train just for example is the heaviest thing you'll haul a coal train up to the speed that you're going to travel cross country down the railroad a couple miles i mean really that quick mm-hmm. yeah especially if there's you a know hill. i would have figured it had taken five or seven or eight miles no they got a lot of power i mean and it's I mean, there's no brakes on there. It's just free rolling. So, I mean, with all the power you have, you can you can get up to speed pretty decently. But again, right. a couple miles is a long ways to, well, yeah. to get to, yeah, you know, four, from between 40 and 50, whatever you're wearing. Or 50 miles an yeah. hour. Yeah. Is 50 miles an hour a typical speed of a... That's max, yeah, for a coal train. It's too heavy. Right. So, so how long, if that's the, the length it takes to get the thing up to speed... How long does it take to slow it down to zero? And that's that's where it gets bad because yeah, I'm sure there are so many other variables that you have to worry about whenever you're slowing down. I mean, an emergency stop can take you still over well over a mile. Oh God! I and, and that's, that's, that surprises me that you could stop it in a mile. Well, and that's you're burning some stuff that's up an, if you do that. Well, I said over a mile, but that's in a great scenario. I mean, there. I mean, you're moving mass. I mean, it's oh God, damn near an unstoppable object, you know. I, I don't see how you do it in a mile. What is if you had a two-mile-long coal train, and you had an emergency stop? If it's downhill, you're not doing it in a mile. I mean, there no, it, possible yeah, way. But like I said, that's that's perfect scenario. You know, a great right. scenario. More yeah. likely three miles. Yeah, yeah. So in a normal slow down and stop operation with no emergency no nothing we start we start way in advance you know 10 miles out some in some places i mean if it's good it's if it's a big grade then yeah there there are circumstances where you want to start early warm your brakes up and get down there and take it easy into a stop Mm -hmm. because i mean if you're on a big hill i mean what difference does it make you got all the time you need to stop there's not any point in heating up any of the equipment right you don't need to yeah there's i mean you don't on trains that are really big and heavy you don't want to really necessarily be a hot rod you want to you don't you know no you don't take it easy keep control of your train here's a personnel question so who are you guys who works at the railroad these days you know it would surprise you just ordinary people you right i mean you see them in the grocery stores i mean we're just regular folks i mean how do you get the job uh you go online and just apply you know 
Uh, is this a situation where families are in the railroad business? Not anymore. I think it used to be that way when it was, you know, I guess less corporate, I don't I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the, you know, eighties and nineties, you know, you can get your brother on because you know right. people. You know, now it's all human resources, it's all computer run, you mm-hmm. know. So, I mean, you can make suggestions to your bosses. I don't know how far that gets you. But you just go online and you put your resume in, take a test, and then they schedule you for an interview if you if, the, if they like what they see. And what are they looking for in an interview? Um, usually people that are safety conscious because it's a big – that's one of our biggest things out there is safety, you know, because it's – this, there's metal. There's huge amounts of heavy metal out there that can kill you. Sure. Easily. When was the last time there was a train wreck in the classic sense of the word? It happens pretty often. Does it really? Mm-hmm. And I mean, not necessarily often as in big bad ones where there's fatalities everywhere, but you know things happen. You know, uh, in yards, people shove out too far and hit another train. You know, but those are smaller but still well like once a month companies don't nationwide like it. it it varies i mean sometimes you can go quite a while without any human factor we call it human factor rail incidents um right so it's and that's what they they stress that they that's why they stress safety so much i mean our training is constant you know so oh god human body in a train wreck my god it's a losing battle it's a ooh, it's not a battle Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's 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 amazing. When was the last time somebody died in a train wreck? You know, I don't know. I don't know. It's the last time we had a fatality. Yeah, I mean, around here, I don't, I don't remember one. Uh, there was a big accident. I think it was oh three or oh four in Clarendon. Yeah, remember that one? No, I don't. Yeah, there was a, there was a bad one there, but they've done so much, uh, so much to remedy. The, I guess the every time something that. like that happens, that boys at the top get busy and try to yeah yeah and fix yeah, what happened absolutely right? and i mean they've done they've done a lot of things to of course technology's better now mm-hmm. so they've they've moved in a lot of safety uh, into especially those locations where things like that have happened right you know and it helps again technology we've got safety overlays on on the trains that help us is it an interesting job Sometimes it's quite boring. But I would imagine sometimes, that sometimes it is boring as hell, just sitting there in the chair. Just yeah, there's there's know. there's a lot of monotony. I mean, you run the same territory for years and years and years. You know, you just I guess you memorize all the crossings and the trees and the yeah, you know when random abandoned people, cars and yeah, you know when random people buy new cars. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So oh god, when does it get interesting? Um, if you work with somebody that you like, you know, it's, it, it can be pretty nice. You have great conversations, you know, and, um, other than, I don't, I don't even know how. I mean, the job itself, when does the job get interesting? When problems come up and you've got to solve them? Is that? Yeah. I mean, usually you don't want, I mean, the best case scenario, you get on, you get off and you have a great day. Nothing right. happens. Um, but there are mechanical failures. There are, you know, engineers mess up and do something, break a train or, you know, there are things like that. And then that it does make you think, does make you, you know, uh, but most guys out there, they, they don't want interesting. They want, no, I'm sure they don't. They, they want a good solid get on. 
take their train where they have to safely and get home to to their families because mm-hmm. interesting usually means something's going on interesting and, means problems yeah right. usually right and anytime there's a problem there's there's a risk sure and we just don't want the risk we want we just want a trouble free day yes right mm-hmm. does it pay pretty good it does it does i think it's 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 there's a a lot of it's paid for our inconvenience you know because we right. work we work on call i mean i can get called at three forty-seven in the morning or at noon right so because it just entirely depends on when the train needs to be moved right and everybody and where you are in the in the line exactly right? exactly and i mean we have different boards where you can go different directions or work in the yards mm-hmm. uh, yards generally on in the big cities or whatever they have yard jobs those guys get to go to work same time every day and you know work, so work eight their, to five kind of a deal but yeah, not you guys right and usually they're they're slotted for a 12-hour day so they can work up to 12 hours right you know and if they knock their stuff out sometimes they can get off a little earlier right so uh, but you guys might get a call and how much notice do you get hour and a half you get an hour and a half before you have to actually leave the yard no that's what we have to be on duty when after you show up you got an hour and a half to show up right so i take my call and i'm not on duty yet Right. And then some places have two-hour calls if they're bigger right. cities. You know, it takes a li- little bit more to get to where they're right. going. But you have an hour and a half. You take your call. Like I said, you pack your bags, make a lunch, go to United, whatever, get some dinner, whatever you need. Then you go to the depot. And mm-hmm. then your on-duty time starts. So you get a call at noon. Your on-duty time starts at 1330. Right. So you need to be at the depot by 1330 to start getting your stuff here. Now, most of us are there 30 minutes early. We like right. to, We like to get our stuff organized and ready so how long are you going to be gone any uh depends on where you're going but the typical day for me would be like a 36 to 48 hours away right so you're 12 on Mm -hmm. and then 12 off minimum yeah minimum of 10 and a half hours undisturbed or 10 hours undisturbed 10 hours undisturbed but where are you going to be during that period of time we have uh corporate lodging so di- different cities allow or there's hotels in different cities that have contracts with the railroads right and all of our guys stay at certain places so you take a courtesy car from the depot over to the hotel to, yeah, and, to whatever hotel that they've got you slotted at or right. whatever that you know contract is so for. you're there 10 undisturbed hours and you come back to the depot and wait on could be there 20 hours but 10 of it's undisturbed but right. now you're waiting in line again right so whenever it's your turn, you'll get you'll get your hour and a half call. There's a whole then, bunch of logistics involved in this mm-hmm. crewing these it's, things. It, it's less of a job, more of a lifestyle at this point. Yeah, you just have to be. I mean, it's it's been tough on a lot of people's families. Oh, I'm sure because you're gone a lot and you're gone. You know, we're the railroad industry is twenty four seven, three sixty five. Sure. So it's Christmas, it's New Year's, it's your birthday. Doesn't matter. You know, it's it's grandma's funeral. You know, yeah. it's all kinds of things. Right. So, I mean, it's it can be tough. Like I said, it's a lifestyle. Can't train. It'd be hard to train a situation like that. Well, that's... Don't know when you're going to be in the gym, you know. Yeah, well, that's... that's I, when I'm gone, I have a car on both ends. So, yeah, I'm able to go to the gym whenever I get to where right. I'm going. So, uh, how long do the guys usually stay in this job? 
So is our, this a you know everybody works forty years and retires? Or some people, yeah, uh, there's quite a few that stay forty. Um, our retirement is a thirty sixty, so thirty years, sixty years old. They, so that's when they ask you to retire or make nope, you retire. That's when you're eligible. That's when you're eligible for retirement. How long mm-hmm. can you stay? I guess so you can't do the job. So there are seventy year old guys doing this. I've seen I've seen some pretty old guys. You know, that's very, very rare, but I mean some of them are still very active and right. just I mean it's what you've been doing for forty or fifty years, it's all you know. Don't know what do you what do you do when you quit, you know? Yeah. And and as rough as the lifestyle's been, it's not healthy to sit still. No. no. That's how you die. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't I've seen it too many times, man. Yeah, we don't have your sleep schedule. You no. know, our circadian rhythms all messed up. Because yeah. again, we're, we work overnight. You know, we work into the night. We work half the night. Mm-hmm. So varies every time you're at work. Right. How long does it take to get used to that? You don't. <laughs> you, you probably don't. You do really, you? you really don't. You know, right. I mean, there there are times where I'm just. You know, I've had a full day. You know, I, I get up in the morning, go to the gym, uh, get done, work on something, work on, you know, whatever my wife has, the list of stuff that my wife has for me to do, and uh, then I'm just too tired. Right. And that's what you don't want. You don't want to go get on a train fatigued. No, no, that would not end well, probably. Mm-hmm. I would imagine they've done a lot of studies on that human HR probably knows how often fatigue bears on a on a giant fuck up in the situation. Oh like yeah, that. absolutely. I mean, that's why it's, it's, they're they're super focused on safety as as they should. Well, be, they you have know. to. Be, yeah, absolutely. You know, have to be. But you just you have to. That's that, at that point, it's on you. You mm-hmm. know, if if you're not in any condition to go, then you should just. We we have the ability to just mark ourselves off you certain, have the ability to refuse a call not refuse a call but um if you don't want we have you know a certain amount of paid days you can if you don't want to go to work you can put in for a paid day and take it'll p- take you off the board for 24 solid hours mm-hmm. and then put you at the bottom of the list whenever you mark back up or you can take sick days you know if mm-hmm. you're if you're if you're sick uh we run on a point system you have a certain amount of points that, and you can accrue you know accumulate new points by doing certain things working weekends or holidays right. or staying marked up for a certain amount of time so as long as you don't run out of points then but let's say you're you're just you know you're just not physically capable of of, of the 12 hour shift then you probably shouldn't go. So what do you tell them? I just get on the computer and just take off. It's uh, it's a different kind of management style, really. So I then mean, they just accommodate. So they've got enough people available that they can slide somebody else's ass in there if you're yeah, in a situation it, where you it's can. called It's called extra boards. We have extra boards. So we have just a, a board full of guys that take off so whenever the older guys that hold we call it holding a turn that's it's where you go normally mm-hmm. so and i hold a turn so if i want to take the day off then i put in for whatever day this vacation day paid leave day take off sick or whatever mm-hmm. then it removes me off of that and that extra board guy fills me fills my spot so everybody's does the situation ever arise that there is nobody to 
Sure. Drive the train. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you can imagine what holidays do. I mean, everybody gets sick on a holiday, right? Yeah. Or or you got vacations that are in or, you know, paid leave days that people put in to take holidays I guess off. single guys are real popular in <laughs> holidays, aren't they? Some, the, a lot of the older single guys or the older guys that don't have family at home anymore, you know, mm-hmm. kids are all grown or whatever, those are the guys you typically see working – uh, holidays, or you see the super, the really young guys that are single with no kids, then they don't mind working holidays. Do they pay double time or something like that for those kind of deals? Mm-hmm. Probably not. No, no. I would imagine they don't. No, it's just, just part of the deal. Yep, it's just. I mean, you knew it when you hired out. This has answered a lot of our questions. Uh, when I see a a train, uh, you know, I drive on the highway quite a bit. I mean, there's enough activity around here to that I'm exposed to railroad industry quite a bit. When I drive to Colorado and back, I see them all the way up and all mm-hmm. the way back. It's primarily just a lot of questions for me, and uh, this discussion has helped with some of those things. And that, you know, you people that are watching today uh, are probably in the same boat I am. I, you just wonder, this gigantic industry is operating at very high level of efficiency and you don't know what the hell is going on and i don't like to not know what the hell is going on so i thought we'd talk here today to mike and and we'll uh uh we appreciate his time yeah mike davis has been our guest today and uh you know if you have any questions that i didn't ask him that you won't ask maybe call us or mail it in, and I'll get word to him, and we'll get your questions answered. If you don't mind, if I throw something in real quick. No, please. People try to beat trains across crossings. Still? Daily. Uh, we have we call them near misses. You have them daily. It's probably the stupidest thing you can do because not everybody makes it. Right. And How often do they not make it? Is there a count on that? The, I don't have a, a count, but it's often. I mean, wow. there's people hit cars all the time you know and it's because well, that's a losing situation there it's automatically a loss you know it's yeah it's dumb it's really dumb i mean nobody gets out of that alive do they no not not often i mean if you do you're extremely fortunate but you have to think about um these people that do this and they don't make it what the toll that it takes on the crew Oh, God, yeah. You don't think about, I mean. Here you are watching this guy kill himself. Yeah, and I mean. You just right came, in front of you. There's not a damn thing you can do about you it. You just came to work, you know, and that's all you did. You just yeah. came You came to work to make a living. And and here's this dead guy. And Yeah, people try to beat you across crossings because they're just impatient. I mean, it's it's two minutes usually, unless it's going real slow, but there's a reason, you know. Right. But, yeah, just if the lights and the gates are going stop just don't even try you know and if if the trains stop there and you're waiting there's a little there's a little blue card on the crossings you can call if you're concerned something's going on right and, and they'll tell you what's going on, on all oh the, they will they'll yeah. tell you the train is stopped because of this reason sure. we expect it to be moving in yeah, 10 minutes it may not be specific but they'll tell you whether or not yeah it's you know that it's having a mechanical issue or whatever it might be a little bit or they'll say okay i'll call the crew and get them to move 
or you know something something to that effect but you can make contact with them you know well that's interesting look mm-hmm. at it's a little blue it's tag little, on, on the on every crossing yeah. on the box there that on that, the poles usually oh on the poles yeah. where the lights are on the cross mm-hmm. or if you just have the cross bucks where there's no lights there's right usually still a little blue card on there right and it has all the information on there if you need to make a phone call but that's a it's a big stressor for us people running you see oh, pe- I'm sure. You see people go around the gates, you know, and it's yeah, just not worth it. Well, yeah, I can't imagine what that would do to the crew of the train to it, watch somebody kill himself in front of Yeah, and I mean, they may And not, it's not your fault, but yeah, still, you know. They're not deliberately always trying to kill themselves, but... No, it, surely not. You get dead that way, you know, just losing that fight so that's just you know one thing a lot of people wanted wanted me to touch on because that's one of our biggest concerns well that's good i'm glad you brought that up it wouldn't have occurred to me to to mention that but uh yeah that's uh stupid people are a problem everywhere you find them absolutely you know and you know that guy just that guy just saved himself three or four minutes Mm -hmm. but now he thinks he can do it every time or you know he got away with it once type mm-hmm. of scenario you don't know you don't always get away with it so right and if you're in traffic don't stop on rails right no don't park on the railroad yeah yeah over there on 369 <laughs> i see that all the time yeah you know people park there and then you're coming through there and all of a sudden everybody's shuffling trying to get out of the way well i mean don't stop on railroad tracks that's <laughs> yeah. pretty simple yeah you know the railroad car will win every time. Yeah, and it's train's going to win. And it ain't your mama's ball though. We can't we can't stop it that fast. Right. You know. No, 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 no. It's true. So, Mike, I appreciate your time. Thank you for being Absolutely. with us today. Thanks and, for having me. Uh, this is uh, just an example of us being out of our lane. Talking about trains today with Mike Davis. Thanks much again. And thank you guys for being with us today on Starting Strength Radio. We'll see you next time.